Hey, you're listening to Orla's Happy Hormones podcast, talking all things female health and wellness. I'm Orla O'Flaherty, a certified naturopath and herbalist, and I'm here to talk about everything from periods, PCOS, endometriosis, health, sex, wellness, and life in general. Here's to happy hormones and a happy you. Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Orla's Happy Hormones podcast. We are up to episode 20. And I'm kind of sticking with the the science and the hormones and everything a bit, but not so much the hormones. This week I'm talking a bit about pain. And if any of you out there follow me on Instagram or Facebook or anything, you'll see that I've done a little bit around pain this week. But I wanted to do a podcast on pain specifically because really women are undertreated for pain like statistically women people of color and the poor are undertreated when it comes to pain when they complain of pain a lot of the time it is not I'm not going to say fobbed off but it's not taken completely seriously and i'm not sure why this is i'm not sure if it's a societal thing like going into the whole feminism stuff again but I'm not sure if it is down to that if it's a matter of women's pain doesn't matter or is it because women go through labor so we're built to deal with pain and that is true we are built to deal with with pain I see it a lot in clinic when I'm doing massage a lot of the time my clients with the highest pain threshold are women who have given birth and they never I'm not saying that they never complain I don't want people to complain but when it comes to deep tissue and sports massage it's um there's always an element of being uncomfortable but women never say if it's uncomfortable or if it's too much it's only when they come back to me the next week they're like yeah I felt that so I'm not sure why it is that women are undertreated for pain if it is because yes our pain thresholds are, are somewhat higher and again that is generalizing but the majority of the time for what I from what I see in clinic but it also if it's from the fact that we are built to to give birth and we are built to have menstrual cycles so yeah I'm not sure but anyway I wanted to go into talking about pain this week and really what is pain and what causes it and like this week I talked about pain with the menstrual cramps and what causes it and really it's prostaglandin levels so if you have excess prostaglandins there is a direct correlation with worse cramps and worse pain but we all experience different types of pain it's not just menstrual pain it's bodily pain headaches joint pain muscle pain backache whatever you name it like fibromyalgia is huge right now but we have pain receptors all over our bodies and they're there to protect us from damage like have you ever stuck your hand in the oven and hit it off the element or am I the only person who just keeps doing that (laughs) but when you do that sensory receptors in in the skin they'll send a message via nerve fibers and they'll go to the spinal cord then to the brain stem and then onto the brain where it's registered and 
this is just basically telling you this is dangerous, this causes harm, don't do it again, you gobshite, which is what my brain says to me. But then it's when chronic pain arises that that's when a problem comes. And like I said, there's all different types of pain. Like there's acute pain where pain starts suddenly and it's sharp. For example, me hitting my hand off the oven. Then there's chronic pain. And chronic pain, this is where the problem starts. So chronic pain is where the pain is there for prolonged periods of time. And then with chronic pain, there are three classifications of it. So there's a nociceptive pain. And this is kind of the most common form of pain caused by potentially harmful stimuli being detected by nociceptors. They exist to feel all and any kind of pain that's likely to harm the body. So they're there to protect you against anything that is going to harm you. Then there is the neuropathic pain. And this is caused by damage or disease that's affecting the nervous system. So if you ever have any kind of neuralgic pain, the best example I can give would be sciatica. A lot of people who suffer with sciatica will understand what that nerve pain is. It's it's sharp and you can't move without a shooting dagger. So neuropathic pain when it's affecting the nerves. And then there's sensory hypersensitivity. So this is pain that doesn't have any identifiable nerve or tissue damage. And it's most commonly seen in fibromyalgia, but there's also a link with extremely high levels of inflammation and autoimmune conditions with the sensory hypersensitivity. So pain is there for a reason. It's it has its purpose. Everything in our bodies has its purpose. It's just when it becomes a problem. So pain is there to protect us. Chronic pain, however, is causing the problems. Now, that's all the science behind it. and Not all the science. It's the very small layer of science behind it. If I was to go full depth into it, we'd be here for hours. But... The reason I say that is because it doesn't really help when it comes to living with pain, me telling you everything about it. Now, it does help, say, from a practitioner point of view because we know what treatment protocol to go down. But just for yourself, it's not going to give you concrete steps of how to help. Because pain is pain. And a close friend of mine, he once said to me and to a few of us, like, it doesn't matter if it's good pain or bad pain it still fucking hurts and that's pain so I don't want to completely take over the podcast with the science bits of it because I want to go through the areas that will help because look I know myself what it's like living with chronic pain it sucks now I'm not how I was before like a few years ago but it still affects me now on a monthly level like around my monthly cycle and that is due to my own fault in the last six months with the likes of stress and work and not being on top of my diet but that's changed now but I do know how it feels to not be able to walk for more than five minutes without searing agonizing pain in my back my knees my hips like that shooting pain 
in the pelvis when you try to sit down or stand up or lie down. One of the worst things I used to find was lying down in bed and it would just be this sharp, sharp dagger constantly right in my SI joint and it was agonising. I also know that chronic pain of inflammation in the uterus, that dragging sensation right in the lower abdomen and then that feeling of knives stabbing you in the stomach all around the ovaries. And it's it's so debil- debilitating. You feel like you have to put your life on hold when you're in chronic pain. Now, I also know the feeling of good pain. So what I say good pain is like exercise pain or post-massage tenderness or doms from going to the gym like knowing that my body is getting stronger and it's getting healthy and looser it's that's the good pain and that's the difference between good pain and bad pain I think to be honest it all comes down to the mind like with the likes of doms you know it's gonna go it's gonna be gone in a couple of days unless you're training legs every single day which is never fun but then when you're living with chronic pain and chronic inflammation from different conditions and not knowing if you're going to be able to sleep, not knowing what the next day is going to bring, being terrified to have sex because of that agonizing pain during and after, then not knowing or worrying constantly about social events Like weddings, am I going to be able to wear heels? How long is that pain going to last for after wearing the heels? Is my period going to come around a wedding? Is my period going to come around any social event? Like for me, it's it's always the way for me. At every powerlifting competition, it just has to be there. Have to get my period on the day that I'm competing or else the day before I'm competing. And true to form... It's actually due for my next competition, which is going to be on next month. And I haven't competed in over a year. And I'm like, are you kidding me? But maybe it's a good luck thing. (laughs) But I know that it is a constant mental battle. And I know there is a saying, mind over matter and building up resilience to, to move through it. And yes, this is needed. And... You have to do it to be able to keep going and talking yourself through it. Saying to yourself, this will get easier, this will pass. For me, it's telling myself over and over and over again during really bad periods, this will not last forever. The time is going to pass. I just need to get through the next few hours. Now, it doesn't get rid of the pain, but it helps me to move through it because I know there's an end in sight I know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel the time's going to pass regardless and I will feel better to be honest I do that during painful emotional times too like knowing that no matter what time is going to pass and each day will get easier and I will be okay be that with stress from work, family problems, personal problems, 
anything, knowing that this too shall pass. It may pass like a kidney stone, but it will pass. So I think learning to, it's not tricking your mind, it's just talking yourself around and not letting the likes of pain take over. Because no matter what, you have control over your mind and you have control over your body and you have control over your surroundings. You do have control. I know at times it feels like you have zero control when you're in chronic pain, but you do. You can take steps, you can take action yourself, even if that's just telling yourself in your mind, this will pass. It's not going to be at this level all the time. It's going to reduce down again. I am going to be okay. Or I have this medication here. I can take this and it will help me right now. Or I can go for a bath. That will help me in the moment. There are always little things that you can do. But it's getting through to your own mind that will help. I really do think that the mental side of pain is the hardest challenge. Getting through to yourself. And to keep finding those ways that are going to help you. Because eventually you will find a way that will help you. You may feel like you've tried everything over and over and over and nothing's working. It's just different methods of treatment work for different people. There's no one size fits all when it comes to pain management. There's no one size fits all when it comes to anything in life. Everybody's body is different. Everybody's mental state is different. Everybody's emotional well-being is different. There is no one size fits all. And I know that too because I tried so many different things over the years when it came to pain relief, when it came to diets, when it came to movement classes, nothing would work for me. I did Pilates, I did yoga, I did water aerobics and nothing helped. If anything, because I love yoga, I love yoga so, so much. But unfortunately for me, I had a problem with my SI joint that it was a double-edged sword at the time. I needed to stabilise my pelvis. I didn't know that at the time. I know that now. Hindsight is twenty twenty vision. But I found the ways to help myself. So I changed my diet. I changed my nutrition to an anti-inflammatory diet. And I've spoken about this before. So I gave up wheat, yeast, sugar dairy and gluten. Now I know it sounds like a lot and it was a lot but I got rid of all the anti-inflammatory foods except for meat because I'm a meat eater but my diet was predominantly plant-based with a whole range of veggies and I cut out anything that was processed. It was just whole foods I would eat and within four months my periods had completely regulated I had zero ovarian pain. I was convinced I had had a few cysts and because the pain had become so bad, that pain was gone. That dragging sensation was gone. My periods, I'll never forget my first period. I didn't even know that it was coming. Usually I'll know for a couple of days beforehand. I was, I was actually at a funeral, so I was, and it just, and didn't even know it was there until I went to the bathroom. 
So just by getting rid of external toxins going into my body, I reduced down so much inflammation. Now I reduced an awful lot of inflammation in my joints as well, but my back still wasn't fixed because there's structural problems. Um, so then I went and I found an orthopedic and a rehab personal trainer who, he had me touching my toes within a month, which I'd never been able to do, and running up the stairs. And then within six months, competing in powerlifting. And he changed my life again. I changed my life with the nutrition and then he changed my life physically. And all these things led to me being able to live a... Actually just being able to live because before that the pain was horrific. I couldn't walk for five minutes. But like I said, I tried so many different things before I found the right ones for me. And these weren't quick fixes. I wish they were, they weren't. But in in the grand scheme of things, they were because four months and, yeah, four months of my diet, such an improvement. And with, yeah, within four months of starting the rehab program, I was running upstairs. And then within six months, I was on a deadlift platform at a powerlifting competition. I'm 32. What's six months in 32 years? In total, that was a year because I did the diet before I went to the trainer. So one year out of 32 years. Hindsight, you know? But I do feel that there has to come a point in everyone's lives where they make a decision to really help themselves and find what's going to work for them. Like I said, it's what I had to do. I had to take responsibility for my own health and wellness if I wanted to have the life I wanted because nobody else was going to fix me and nobody else was going to make everything better unless I took the first steps and took responsibility for myself. And I know it sounds easier said than done. And it is in the beginning, but it does get easier. And then it becomes life. But what is it that you can do? There are so many different options out there for so many different conditions. So the orthodox treatment methods for controlling pain, like they really, they, they just include the painkillers. So the likes of your non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, your opiates, actually antidepressants and muscle relaxants among many other methods. And look, yeah, they are needed for high intensity pain and they do give instant relief. I myself, I take Ponston. <laughs> They're an anti-inflammatory and an anti-prostaglandin and I, I'll, I'll take it if I need it. I try to power through. If I don't have to be anywhere and I can just stay at home, go to bed, have a hot water bottle, take my herbs, I'm fine. I can push through it. But if I have to actually human, then I have to take it. Like I was at Herb Feast, a conference for herbalists, and I was popping Ponston because I had to get through the lectures because they were fascinating lectures. A lot of the information that... I got from there I use on a daily basis even right now I'm talking about pain and there was a phenomenal lecture uh David Winston who gave 
a talk on pain relief and it's phenomenal. So I use everything that I learned there, but I had to be able to learn, so I took a Ponston. And I think we need to be able to work using all methods together. Yes, I'm a herbalist, but if someone is in severe amount of pain and you need to take a painkiller to get through certain things, you then take a painkiller, do what you have to do. The only problem with, well, not the only problem, but some of the problems with painkillers is that they don't treat the root cause of the pain. And they can also have really bad side effects. The likes of gut health, esophageal erosion, liver damage, adrenal insufficiency, and decrease in the production of sex hormones. And like the most effective painkillers, they're the opiates. So codeine, so anyone here in Ireland, you know how sulfidine is now trying to get a pack of sulfidine over the counter. You're being interrogated. Well, that's because codeine is an opiate. So the likes of codeine, morphine, fentanyl and oxycodone. I don't know if anyone here has heard like the problems that are going on in America with the overdosing on oxy and fentanyl is ridiculous. These, these opiates, they're highly, highly addictive. And taken in too high a dose can be lethal, like completely fatal. I think fentanyl is one milligram. Actually, I don't know off the top of my head, but it's something very low dose of fentanyl is fatal. I remember with my last surgery, they gave, they gave me fentanyl before putting me out. I didn't realise they were giving me fentanyl. And when I asked what they gave me, they gave it to me to calm me. And they told me it was fentanyl. Then I ended up freaking out. I was like, you gave me fentanyl? How much do you know that can kill me if you give it to me in too much? I felt so sorry for the anaesthetist. I was panicking. All at the same time telling her how pretty she was. So yeah, I was off my rocker. But fentanyl, it's such a strong drug. But it's an opiate. Now, obviously, it's used correctly by doctors who know what they're doing for the likes of surgeries and things, okay. But it's in cases where people are getting them and variations of the opiates and becoming highly addicted and completely dependent and, like I said, can be fatal. But look, don't get me wrong, I'm actually very grateful that we do have the opiates, especially for terminally ill, terminally ill patients, if they didn't have morphine. You know, like, we need these things in. It's all about working together and working in conjunction with each other. But I'm talking about to get you through your your daily aches and pains. It's Some of the drugs are just very strong and very addictive. And that's where the problem can come, because then you're looking at liver damage. But then, like, the likes of herbal painkillers, they've been used for centuries. And the most effective ones have already been turned into pharmaceutical medications. And again, they're the opiates. The opiates come from the opium poppy. And that's why I love herbal medicine is because they have these really strong compounds. But then in the one plant, there are many, many different phytochemicals that all work together. 
So the likes of the Californian poppy is a really good sedative and it is a good pain reliever without the addictive side effect. Then there's also the salicylic acid from the white willow bark and that's used in making aspirin. But then also like coming from a herbal and a TCM back, background, like we're focused on, on different things. So we're focusing on where the pain is, what kind of pain it is, does heat or cold aggravate it, does the damp weather aggravate it, and then also we're using complex formulas as like traditionally herbs almost always work together synergistically. Like you, we very rarely give a herb as a singular. There's, it's always matched with another herb which will increase its efficacy, which will then also help to reduce any sort of adverse reactions and, and supports the body's own natural healing mechanisms. And then in traditional Chinese medicine, there are many different causes of pain. Like if there's excess heat in the body, we're looking at inflammation. If the person is cold and sluggish, we're looking at a, a possible deficiency or dampness. And then there is damp heat or a damp cold. And this all comes from external factors, internal factors, but we're looking at the person as an individual. We're looking at them as a whole. And it's all these things that matter for us being able to get to the root of the problem. And that's why I love herbal medicine as well and naturopathy because we're always looking for the root cause. We don't want to mask it. Yes, we want to help people get rid of their pain and if we, we have to support them with an analgesic formula during acute stages, like for myself, I would take my herbs for acute, um, acute pain during my period cramps and it's maybe two or three herbs, not two or three, it's probably four herbs that I have mixed together and that's just for the acute, just to help me get through the pain. But then I'm using other herbs constitutionally over a couple of months to regulate the body, to help support my body, to, to regulate and help support hormones and everything. But I'm looking at the root cause. But then also, like nutrition, we really do have to look at nutrition. Like inflammation is the leading cause of pain. Now, inflammation is good in acute situations as it triggers the body's healing mechanism, but it's chronic inflammation that causes long-term health problems and pain. And this is where nutrition comes into play. The standard Western diet is full of processed non-food substances, and unfortunately, they're cheaper in some places. Like, look at my... I probably shouldn't say any chain look at any fast food chain <laughs> most of their stuff is a hell of a lot cheaper with their one euro or two euro menus go in and grab that and it it's cheaper than going and buying a salad which is so wrong and strange but like the likes of your trans fats sugar high omega-6s processed foods like these are all inflammatory causing these trigger the inflammatory markers in the body. Really what you're looking for is fresh whole foods. I know I say it all the time, but fresh whole foods that are rich in antioxidants and flavonoids and phytonutrients. And like the healthy plate ratio, what I always say to people, like when, because I know it's easy for me to say, 
get lots of fresh whole fruit and veg and foods good quality foods and all that and but then it's trying to portion or yeah portion it out and know what's what's what so like the the standard like healthy plate ratio would be 50% of your plate would be non-starchy vegetables so they're like say your broccoli kale carrots beetroot pumpkin peppers etc then 25% of your plate either plant or else a good quality fish or animal protein now if you're buying fish make sure it's wild and if you're buying meat make sure it's a good quality you're sourcing it from a good farm go to your butchers little do good quality meats also check for the board be a mark on all the, the products that you're buying and then the other 25% of your plate would be the likes of your starches so like either your potato, your sweet potato, or your whole organic grains. Now, organic veg, wherever possible, just because the sprays and the chemicals, the herbicides, the pesticides, things that are sprayed on non-organic crops are, again, highly inflammatory and endocrine disruptors. So trying to buy organic where possible. But on that healthy plate, like your main source of fuel is coming from your veggies. Now, a lot of people give out about the paleo diet because they're like, you're just eating eating meat and crap. Well, there's, in every diet, in the paleo diet, the keto diet, the whole 30 diet, in all of these, say, fad quote-unquote diets, there's a good one and there's a bad one. When you look at the paleo diet, it is actually a really healthy diet because you're eating so much vegetables good quality fruits berries veggies good quality meat good quality healthy fats but on the paleo diet the again the predominant source of fuel is veggies and that's where we're getting our our vitamins and our minerals and our our nutrients from as well as our good quality meats and fats as well but our veggies are so important our veggies are what are rich in antioxidants, which are anti-inflammatory, and then full of fibre as well for toxin elimination. Like when we're holding on to too many toxins, we're going to have chronic inflammation. So making sure that your bowels are regular is so important. And then, like I said, incorporating your healthy fats from like organic oils, avocados, nuts, seeds, and you don't need much of them at all. A, a tablespoon of olive oil over your cooked food don't cook with olive oil you can drizzle it over your cooked food but it's really good you're you're getting your your essential fatty acids your vitamin e and k olive oil now it it is a high calorie food so you're looking at about 119 calories per tablespoon but we need the essential fatty acids so like I said, the oils, avocados, nuts, seeds, things like that. And then another area that you should really be looking at is movement. Like movement is so important for healthy joints, healthy heart, uterus. When we're sitting all the time, the joints seize up. Cardiovascular lymphatic health drops and stagnation can occur in the uterus. So that blood stagnation in the uterus, that congestive uterus. So exercise yeah, exercise is also important for the likes of your endorphin release, which will automatically lift your mood. Humans weren't meant to be sedentary. We are built for movement. And 
when you start to like look, go easy on yourself, go for light walks, just to start off, start doing stair walks, things like that. But, and like when you do start off, there will be some sort of pain. But like I said earlier, it's, it's that good pain versus bad pain. Like exercise pain is a good pain. And it, you know that your body is starting to move and it will get stronger and it will get healthier. So it is a matter of evaluating in your own head, what is this pain like? Is it good pain? Is it bad pain? If it's bad pain, then find another method of exercise. I, to be honest, for anyone who can't exercise due to chronic inflammation or chronic pain, I would highly, highly recommend getting on to somebody qualified, um, someone who deals with rehab programs and orthopedic problems, anything like that, or even if you have a health condition that causes pain, so the likes of fibromyalgia or lupus or any sort of autoimmune condition. Get onto a trainer and let them know what you have so that they know how to work with you. But knowing as well that you can work through it and you can build that pain-free life that you want. Now, you may not be 100% pain-free. I'm not. I still get pain every now and then. To be honest, I have been sitting for the last four hours working and my ass is killing me. My SI joint is sore. I need to get up and go for a walk. But I know once I do go for that walk and I do some stretching, I will feel better. It's like being a sports therapist as well, seeing how tight people's bodies get from sitting all the time. And when your muscles tighten, it causes a strain on the joints. So even just getting a good 15 minute stretching routine into your daily life, the difference you will see is phenomenal. But I do think like above all, knowing that you are worthy of a pain-free life and knowing that you do have to take the steps to get there. And look, it may take some time and it may take some work, but I promise you six months later, you will know how much it's worth it. And like I said, the time is going to pass regardless. So why not start now? So that's this week's episode of World is Happy Hormones. I hope I have given you something that you needed to hear. Or wanted to hear. Or you were meant to hear. If you have any questions or if you liked it, feel free to hit me up or tag me, whatever. But I hope you got something from it. So for now... Happy Thursday and happy hormones, everyone.